Welcome back to the Blind Side Rewind. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Timmerman, joined as always by my buddy Justin Baxley. Justin, what's up, man? Not much, man. Just getting into the Christmas spirit. Uh, you know, we're, we we got our our wonderful gift of the end of Survivor last week, which after was almost a year of no Survivor, getting that again was phenomenal. I enjoyed that. Um, getting to recap that with you, if, if folks haven't heard our uh, recap of of the end of of season forty one, go and listen to that. Um, but also, like I said, getting in the Christmas spirit, been watching some Christmas movies. How about you, buddy? How how are things going on your end? They're good. You know, I, I work in the local school district here, so uh, today was actually my last day. So uh, starting tomorrow, I'll be home until uh, shortly after the new year. So um, that's always good. You know, one of the perks of the gig. I'll be home with my all my kids. Will be home tomorrow. Because, uh, you know, the two big ones are out of school and the, the daycare is closed for the two small ones. So we'll all be here tomorrow. We'll probably get into some Christmas movies tomorrow. We, we did watch the Polar Express a couple weeks ago. Um, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. Um, I don't think I've seen that one. Um, but do you, do you have a favorite? I mean, I know this is this is not uh, – I've, I've heard from some some local sources that this is not your favorite, but I really love Elf. I enjoy it a ton. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite, and 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 it's because it gets one, it gets a ton of hype. Two, it's my least favorite Will Ferrell movie. Um, I am a huge Will Ferrell fan from Saturday Night Live all the way through Step Brothers, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, The Campaign. Um, you name it with Will Ferrell, I'll pretty much watch it. Daddy's Home, the, that's another like kind of Christmassy movie. Um, ton, ton of great movies, but that one's my least favorite. That's that's unfortunate. We can be friends anyway, but that's unfortunate. <laughs> I'll, I'll say my, my my top two or three. I'm a big fan of of, of the Santa Claus and the Santa Claus two. Santa Claus three is kind of, eh, but the first two were phenomenal movies with uh with Tim Allen. I thought those were those were a lot of fun. Um, and you know I get into some of the other movies too uh, with my nephews. So, but. I really, I really need to, I really need to get into get a viewing of the Christmas Vacation. That's not one I'll be watching with my kids, but I need, <laughs> I need to watch that one because, because that one's funny too. Um, Cousin Eddie is quite the character. Yes, I do enjoy Cousin Eddie. He's, he's my favorite. Uh, speaking of favorites, we're gonna do a little segue into what we've got planned. Um, this is something that uh, we've talked about doing. We, we were planning to do uh, as soon as forty one ended. Um, is, is kind of a bracket of our, our favorite Survivor players. You know, this is a big bracket season edition being the Christmas season, uh, especially since college football switched over to a playoff format. You know, Justin just got finished with the high school football playoffs, and then you go into the college football playoffs, and the NFL. That carries you almost into college basketball conference tournaments and then the, the big dance in March and April and then the NBA playoffs. So – it's just one bracket after another for the next several months. And so we thought it would be a good way to kind of compare our favorites. Um, and, and to be clear, this is the, our favorites from the seasons we've watched. So that's China, Token Chains, Kageyama, Millennial versus Gen X, um, Blood versus Water, uh, Edge of Extinction, Island of the Idols, uh, Winners at War, Season 41. Did I miss any? <laughs> I don't think so. That seems that seems right on the money. Yeah. So we picked sixty eight of our favorite players, you know, uh, thirty four men, thirty four women, and um, so this is our favorites. And 
So there's going to be some players that, one, aren't going to be on here because we haven't seen their season. And if we have, um, you know, so, so we may have people from that season. Like, we've got Rupert from – we wouldn't have Rupert in here, do we? Oh, spoiler alert. Rupert I don't think we did. That. Um, so that's a perfect example. Yeah. Uh, the only season we've seen together with Rupert in it was the one that he was gone pretty quick. Um, not even pretty quick. He was gone first. Yeah. Yeah, gone first <laughs> overall. So – um, that, that, that's, that's one little caveat. Um, and the other thing is that, uh, because this is our favorites, there are going to be some, some matchups that are going to go a different way than you would expect, but hold on with us. This is going to be fun. Um, this was inspired. I, we're also wrestling fans and the new day has a podcast and, and they do a lot of these brackets and it just leads to some fun conversation. For sure. And I think one thing we do need to point out real quick is uh, Jeremy and I are probably gonna have some different opinions on some people, and I'm gonna need him to reel me in a little bit because this is only seasons we've seen together. And even though I've seen Nick's season when he played in David versus Goliath, and I've seen Wendell's season when he played in Ghost Island, and they're two of my favorite survivors of all time. However, they didn't play that great in Winners at War, and that's the only season we've seen of them. So we're not gonna be able to, to even though I have some prior knowledge of some of these players. I'm not going to be able to pull some of that, uh, some of that arc, so to speak, knowledge in when I'm when I'm helping make these decisions, um, and so some of your favorites may get bounced relatively early, not because we don't like them, but because we're just judging them off of how they played in the seasons Jeremy and I have seen together. Yeah, and so this is going to also going to be a living document, so to speak. This is something we're going to try to do every year, maybe twice a year. Um, at, at least once a year, though, and, and so it'll update as we see new seasons. Whether that's you know when, when season forty-two happens, we're going to include people from season forty-two, which means some people that are on there now are going to get bumped off. Um, and, and when when we you know sometime later this year when we watch rewatch an older season, people from that season will get added, and that's gonna that's gonna move some people off. So this is gonna be a living, changing document, and so there will be people, and there will be people like eventually we're gonna watch. Um, the seasons that, that some of these winners at war uh, winners, we're going to see their original seasons and that's going to shape how we, uh, how we vote on people. And there are also going to be some people that oh, we saw their best season. And when we see some of their other seasons, that'll change how we talk about them too. So I wasn't going to say his name, but yeah, uh, he's a very high seed in this bracket. And I know for a fact, when I see some of his old, some of his later seasons, he will not be a very high seed anymore. So, yeah, this is probably JT's only chance to win this thing, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and it ain't good. Chances aren't good as it is. So that that's just kind of the setup. We're going to discuss these. Uh, I do have a coin flip app pulled up in case in case we just can't break right. a tie because I mentioned the new day. There's three of them, so they have an automatic tiebreaker. We do not. There's only two of us. Um, so with that said, um, you just want to get started. Yeah, let's run let's through this so thing, man. Sixty-eight, and if you're not a basketball fan, you may not realize, or if you're not good at the maths, I'm only one of those things. I'm a basketball fan. I'm not good at math. Sixty-eight means we have four play-in games. <laughs> so these four um, are, are kind of these eight uh, competitors are kind of playing before the first full round. So I'm just going to get started with a men's matchup. Chris Underwood, the winner of season thirty-eight, against. Jervis, who we saw in um, Blood versus Water. 
Uh, well, what's your initial thoughts on that matchup? Hmm. So my initial thought is, look, I don't think Chris Underwood is a great winner. However, I think that he changed the game of Survivor in the season that he played. And what I mean by that, his ability to take the necklace off and play against Rick Devins to take him out was one of the boldest. I mean, it wasn't really bold. It's kind of like if you're a college football fan and you watch Nick Saban against Georgia in the 2017 National Championship, he put Tua in when his team was down at halftime to the University of Georgia. And everybody talks about how bold that move was. But in reality, it was a move that, like, if it works, he's a genius. If it doesn't work, well, he wasn't going to win anyway. And so this is sort of how I feel about Chris Underwood. Is it, it, His move is going to always be considered bold. Um, but it really wasn't all that bold just because, in reality, he had no other path to victory uh, other than just assuring that Rick wasn't at the end. So I say that to say, though, he changed the game of Survivor, and he's given the blueprint to future seasons a potential to really solidify their their game winner uh, move, game winning move. Versus Jervis, I just don't know, man. I didn't, I didn't particularly care for him too much in Blood versus Water. Um, you know, he got his loved one sent home early by celebrating too hard. Um, he was unnecessarily rude to some folks, uh, throughout the season, didn't treat Monica particularly well. And in reality, I think if some other people in that season had played just a little bit better game, Jervis just goes home pretty early. Yeah. And and also, um, the, the returners, Tribe didn't lose so uh, for a long time, so he he didn't have a he didn't really have a chance to go home, right. um, and until after the merge, and by that point he had linked up with Tyson. The one thing I'll say about Chris that makes this matchup really difficult. This matchup is really difficult for the wrong reasons, in that there's a reason that these are two people we put in the. We didn't really <laughs> discuss all of the matchups, but we did go into we took with great. We took great care in setting up our our um, play-in matchups and who they would be facing when they got into the main part of the brackets. So in saying that, like these are two people that we don't feel strongly about as, as good players, um, at least not in the seasons we saw. The thing about Chris Underwood is he had to put on the necklace or take off the necklace because he came in through the edge of extinction. He was on the edge of extinction because right. his alliance had a plan to take out a strong player. Was it Wentworth? I think it was Wentworth. His alliance had a plan to take out Wentworth. Probably Wentworth. And they said, yeah. we just can't tell Wardog. Wardog is the one person we can't tell. And Chris, at least in the edit, immediately went to Wardog and told him about the plan. It ruined the plan. And then everybody worked together to vote out Chris. And then Chris, and that was one of the early vote outs. And then Chris sat on the edge of extinction until basically the end of the game came back and won. So, yeah. So, so, so now, like, you know, uh, we also saw Natalie Anderson, who she, she's in the bracket. So I'm not going to talk too much about her, but, you know, she went out early, but she went out early very much in a, uh, we don't really want to vote anybody out. She's a strong player. She's made a strong alliance. Let's go ahead and move her out. Um, 
that's different than Chris who, who got sent to the edge because he couldn't do the one thing his Alliance asked him to do. Um, so I, I'm torn. You kind of seem like you're leaning towards moving Jervis along. Um, um, no, actually I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Chris out as the, as the person to move along. Yeah, that's right. You seem like you're moving Chris. I, I was, I was thinking Jerv, but what I will say is Chris, Chris is a winner. Um, he won his season. Yeah. And Jerv, uh, was really only there at the end because he played so poorly early. He was somebody that, that Tyson could drag along. Yeah, his his game in, in, in Blood versus Water is predicated on the fact that that was the best person for Tyson to sit next to because Tyson knew he couldn't lose to him. Yeah, and I, yeah. I don't know that we can reward someone for being the best loser, like the most likely to lose in a season. Yeah, no, so, so that's fair. So I'm going to move Chris Underwood along. That puts him into the bracket um, where he'll be facing Tony next. So, um, yeah, so enjoy that. Enjoy that one win there, Chris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, spoiler alert, I don't think win that next one. Well, um, let's move over to the women's side. Um, this is yeah. Lauren O'Connell from that same season, um, Edge of Extinction, yeah. against Michelle. And this is the Michelle from Millennials, not, yes, Millennials versus Gen X. So I don't remember her last name. Why don't you talk a little bit about this matchup, and I will pull that name real quick. Yeah. So both are relatively similar, I think, in some ways. Both have some really strong points to their games. Um, I would say the strategic side for Michelle, um, setting up the the Millennial Alliance early on. Michelle Schubert. Yeah. So she looked like she was was setting up that alliance to move forward pretty quickly. And I'll say I think that she was just the most, if I'm remembering right, she was just kind of the, the, the biggest target of that group. Like they kind of knew that she was the brains behind all of it and they needed to get rid of her. Um, and so I say like her strategic prowess, I wouldn't mind seeing her play again. Um, on the other side, I think Lauren's great as a physical threat. Um you know, she, she's got some strategy to her. I'll say that some of her downfall in the game was, and it was a lot of people's downfall in Edge of Extinction, was they got so hyper-focused on taking Rick out that they really shot themselves in the foot on multiple occasions. Um, she did deliver one of my favorite moments of that season, which was her, well, it really wasn't her, one of her shining moments. But when she jumped up and down in the woods with Julie, when they thought they found an idol, but it was just Rick's two fakes that he had made. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed that television moment uh, for her. Yeah, that was, that was a really good television moment. For me, um, I'm having a hard time with this one again. Michelle, I, I really think she's probably the better player. Um, I never really felt – I didn't – there's a lot of people who really like Lauren's game. I never felt like she was a really – I didn't think she was a very good player. She did a good job of getting in with Wardog and Wentworth and, and forming that, that trio. And in that season, that trio was able to maneuver enough that they were able to, to be really successful. But, I, you know, I, I kind of felt like there was a spot in the game where she stayed in the game because people felt sorry for her. She was doing very poorly – 
uh, physically because of, you know, lack of nutrition. Um, and instead of kind of mercy killing yeah. her and sending her home, I really felt like the, the rest of the, tr- and I forget at what point it might've been after the merge, rather than just sending her home because she was dead in the water, they kind of kept her around because they felt bad voting her out is what it felt like. Yeah, she passed out at one of the immunity challenges. Um, but she, she, I think if she played again, I think she'd do really well. Um, but based on what we've seen, I agree with you. I think I'd move Michelle along. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, and, and again, she's a play in, so don't get used to her being around. Um, the next yeah. one, let's go back to the men. Uh, we have Tommy, the winner of season 39, against. The aforementioned war dog. We have three players from Edge of Extinction in the play-ins, and I just oh. now realized that. So, right. Yeah, well, and look, I think that's probably fair for that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were looking for some some. When you build a bracket like this, you got to fill in some some folks that are not as not as, that are not going to go as far, and that's where we we went to that well for that. Um, I'll, I'll start on this one. I'm not the biggest fan of Tommy as a winner. You know that. Um, I, and most of that is the edit. I'm sure if that season was edited better for all the the great things we had to say about the editing job in um, season 41, uh, 39 was the opposite. I felt like they didn't 41. give us enough of the winner to, to really make that feel like a satisfactory winner for me. Um. But also War Dog. I mean, he's a great person. Yeah. He's a great character. He's he's a fun guy to have as a foil for Rick Devins. But he's not good at the game. I didn't think. Um, I, I like War Dog a lot. But but remember, I'm a big fan of TV. Like I'm a big fan of the TV side of things. And for me, Tommy's a boring winner and a boring TV kind of kind of person. But War Dog, War Dog is in the same like lineage of players as a coach. I'm not saying he's as good as coach, but it just in the, the like, would I want to see him play again? Absolutely. 100% because he is fun TV. Like the exchange with him and Rick, where they get, where Rick gets like, Rick comes back in the game and Wardog goes to him and is like, yeah, you, you should work with us. And Rick like sarcastically tells him, you know, yeah, like I should definitely work with the three people who just took me out and sent me, to the edge of extinction. And now when I come back in the game, they immediately try to get me out, but they want to work with me now. So yeah, why not? Sure. I will definitely do that. Or I wouldn't, but war dogs reaction was my favorite. Cause he was like, wait, you, you, you won't like, wh- why not, man? Like you just laid out all the reasons why you should. And it was just, it, he was just so much fun for me. Um, but I agree with you. Tommy was not, it was not a satisfactory winner. I thought he was going to win. The, like, I started noticing in the edit that Lauren was probably the better player and that they weren't going to let her get to the end. Elaine was the better player. They weren't going to let her get to the end. And it just became a situation where you could just tell the jury didn't necessarily respect Dean. We're, we're not big fans of Nora. And it just kind of left a, well, yeah, just go give it to that guy situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm good. I, w- I want to move War Dog. Is, is that is that kind of what you're thinking? One hundred percent, man. Move the War Dog over. Move the War Dog. Um, I love it. I love it. Let's do it. And and then that's our our third play in game. So now let's move to the fourth play in game. The the other women's play in game. 
We have Denise from China <laughs> up against Morgan from Kaguya. Yeah. What are your thoughts here? For, for me, um, my tendency is to go with Morgan. I think Denise is somebody that she was a good story in China. I had some good moments in China. I don't think I ever need to see Denise play again. Um, and again, this is not the winner, Denise. This is China, Denise. Um, whereas Morgan is somebody like that as that season wore on, what we got to see is that like not only was she comedic gold, similar to Sydney from 41, not quite as just nasty as her, but she still had some of those moments where she was like, she was in the beauty tribe and she was aware of why she was on the beauty tribe. And she had some great uh, quotes about her being on the beauty tribe and, and some great quotes about Tony and, um, but, but what, what we saw as the season wore on is she had some strategic chops that, that um, I, I would like to see her play in a season where she's just one of the players and it's not, this is Morgan. She's on the beauty tribe because look at her when she is, just a regular player. I, I would love to see how she could play in a season like that. So for me, I, I feel like the choice is Morgan. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. No, I, I agree with, I don't even need to break that down. I agree with that. Let's move her forward. Awesome. Awesome. Just some, some lovely little agreement there. Okay. So we've got our, our field of 64. <laughs> um, let's just do it this way. Justin, give me a number between one and 64 and we'll go to that. We'll go to the matchup, the, the lines with that. 13. It's Taylor Swift's favorite number. It's my Sorry. favorite number also. Okay. Well, yeah. There we go. So 13, we'll go with Wendell versus, of course, the, the winner of uh, Ghost Island, correct? And he yep. also played on Winners at War, which is the season we saw. First, first winner to win via tiebreaker. There it is. And he's up against LJ from Kageon. Um, yep. This is a tricky matchup for me. Um, but you're, you're a huge LJ fan. I'm a huge LJ fan. Um, but I, I'm a bigger fan of Wendell than I think you think I am. Um, because I, I, I okay. felt like Wendell got shortchanged by some pre-existing relationships. Um, it was, there was a very interesting yeah. psychological component to his season in winners at war where he said something to Michelle and I forget what it was, but you know, they've got a past relationship. And to me, I didn't hear anything egregious, but because there's so much baggage there in this prior relationship, she heard something that sounded like a slight to her. And, and it kind of sunk his game a little bit. It made it hard for him to build some relationship Correct. with her and the people that she was working with. Well, you know, you're playing with yeah. an ex-girlfriend um, and one that apparently like that relationship did not end super well um i don't know what happened but it seems like a lot of the i could be wrong on this but a lot of the survivor community seems to <clears throat> think that wendell wronged her in some way uh, again i haven't done the research on it i don't frankly i just don't care enough to to research into why they broke up but um they broke up and it seems like it went poorly and <clears throat> you know you get thrown into a season where you're playing with your ex-girlfriend and something that simple can get you taken out of the game. And the same thing, like in that same season, we saw the poker alliance get picked off pretty quickly because somebody happened to hear that they had a, you know, they had an alliance from a poker game, you know, coming into the game. Um, and so 
Winners at War had some weird components that we've never really seen introduced into the game before. And you're right, I think that's what sunk Wendell more so than Wendell sunk sunk, sunk Wendell. Yeah, and, and I am a big fan of LJ, but I'm a big fan of LJ because he's somebody that I feel like we didn't get to see enough of. Um, right. More so than I really enjoyed his game. Does that make sense? Like, I, I liked watching him, but yeah. it's not like I've got, you know, tons of favorite LJ moments. Um, Right, well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, his gameplay was not great because he immediately falls into a Tony trap. Right, uh, right. When you think he's he's destined to go pretty deep in the game, Tony Tony realizes it and goes, "Yeah, we gotta get him out now." Like I'm not I'm not playing this game. I'm not not keeping him around. Not gonna do it. Just 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 let's go ahead and take him out. Um, yeah, and, and and I'll say this about Wendell too. We saw him in the Winners at War. There are some winners from that season that I go, I I mean, I, I not that I don't want to watch their season, but they're they're the way they played and the way they talked in winners at war didn't make me want to watch their season. Wendell is the reverse watching right. him play and watching the way he talked, watching his, his charisma. I want to see his season. Um, so I, I think we move Wendell here. I agree. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Wendell fan. I enjoyed him on ghost Island. I was, I was a big fan of who he beats in ghost Island too. Um, and so like th- them as a duo is a lot of fun for me. So I, I'm not pulling from ghost Island as to why I want to move him forward, but I'm glad to see that you didn't hold winners at war completely against him. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think, I think that's a fair way to look at it. So let's, mm-hmm. let's flip over to the women's side. I, I've, I've selected a matchup that I think will be, will be fun to talk about. We might have talked about this one for a while. So we've got Michaela, Michaela from millennials versus Gen X. <laughs> And other seasons, but that's, we that's saw her millennials versus Gen X. She is our queen against Evie from season forty-one. Ooh, yeah, this that's is- tough. I, I love both. Um, I became a huge Evie fan really quickly in forty-one, but man, Michaela's our queen, man. I, this is easy for me in the end, but like, I get why we're gonna have to talk about it because it's like. There's a lot of reasons why you can make a case for both. Um, yeah. I think the answer is is going to be set the same for us at the end, but I do think there's a lot to talk about in between. Because the surface, they seem like very different players. Michaela's yeah. loud and brash. She said she was going to hit a, a, a fellow competitor. She or she said she wanted to hit a fellow competitor in the head with a machete. Um, and she's got attitude. Her, her facial expression. She's a walking gif. I mean, she is so much fun. And Evie, not that she's not fun, but she's more understated. She's very composed. She's um, everything seems to be on purpose. But they're both strategic. And in the end, I kind of think they were over strategic, and that's what cost them both. Yeah. Well, and they both. Or challenge beast, a little different type of challenge beast because you have <clears throat> Michaela who is just more athletic than almost any woman that's ever played the game of Survivor, in my opinion. Oh yeah, um, like she and she's she's got such a fire to win. Like I remember her like was she lost her top and continued to play on and was like throwing throwing people around in the water. 
Yeah. Um, versus Eddie is a challenge beast in the sense that, like, she solved a puzzle in, like, three seconds. And, like, those puzzles ain't easy, Jeremy. <laughs> she solved the puzzle, but the but then she won individual immunity on a non-puzzle challenge. It was an endurance challenge. Right. So she, she showed versatility in how she can win immunity challenges. She showed a ton of versatility in, in, in some of the game moves. And I really enjoyed what she did with, with Xander when she was in the game um, with the Liana play where she, you know, they, they had Liana second guessing who had the idol for a while there, um, whether he had passed it off to Evie. And so like that strategic moment was a ton of fun for me. Um, but you're right. I think both of them, like Michaela gets taken out because she starts doing the math in her head of how she gets to the end, but she does it in front of people and she doesn't do it in her head. She does it right on the ground for everyone to see how she's going to get to the end. And they're like, yeah, we can't let her do what she just drew out. Uh, and then for Evie, it's very similar in that people realized really early on that like, oh, she, she is good at things and she's going to have a really good She's got. She's a great talker, and so like, she gets to final travel. Yeah. She can put on a heck of a performance. So I think, you know, social game. I probably lean uh, Evie because she's just a nice. She she was nicer. Um, strategic game. I think they're about even. And then I think on the physical side, I think it, it probably leans Michaela just a tad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because. I think with Evie, the issue is what sunk her is she thought she could count on Liana more than she could. I think her initial plan was her, her Tiffany and Liana were going to work together before the merge. They'd probably take out Xander. And then if they didn't, when they got to the merge, they'd still work together. They'd build an alliance together. And as soon as they got to the merge, Liana basically ditched Yasa to go work with Shan, Danny, and Deshaun. That left Evie having to work with with Xander and Tiffany, but that kind of blew up in her face because she had talked to Deshaun, uh, trying to set up something during one of their excursions. She had talked to Deshaun and spilled a bunch of stuff to Deshaun about Xander, and uh, th- to me, that seemed like it kept her from being able to lock anything in with Xander, and, and that ended up. He ended up not using his idol to save her. And I, and I feel like at least part of that was because I, I don't know how sure he was he could trust her. Um, so for me, I think Michaela is the more complete, interesting yeah. player. Um, but I think Evie's game has the potential to yep. result in a future win, whereas maybe Michaela's doesn't. I can see that. Yeah, I don't think Michaela is a future winner. Um, versus Evie, I think she can. I think you're right. She can come back and potentially be a force in the game. Um, but for the purpose of this game, um, I am going to put my vote on Michaela. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree. I, I just don't think we can cr- call her our queen and then and then like, let her go in the first round. We just can't. But I do. I do think that really speaks heavy, heavy to how much we respect Evie and Evie's game. Is that easily one of our favorites? Um, Men or women, she's one of our favorite players of all time. And Michaela, we had to actually have a discussion about it. Like most people in this bracket, like I think you could have matched them up against Michaela, and we'd have been like, "Yep, Michaela moves on," like immediately. 
But with with oh, Evie, yeah. Evie, Evie's a legitimate threat to, you know, especially if she come back, she comes back and plays again. We could see her move on further. I think if she got a different draw, maybe she moves on in the first round, just because she is someone that we like a lot and we respect her game a ton. Yeah, there, there were a lot of things to consider in building this bracket. I wanted to, to really give us some mixes as far as not just in the first round, but in the second round, and and trying to look ahead to potential matchups. And and there were there are some spots where I'm I'm not. <laughs> There are some players that are going to go out early that I that I really wish wouldn't go out early, and, and Evie's one of them. Um, so let's bounce back to the men's side. Here's a matchup that I like. Um, Ethan, who we saw in Winners at War, against Hayden, who we saw in Blood versus Water. Ooh. Um, in the, sur- in the Survivor community, this is an easy one. Yeah, I'm... But also in what we're doing, I think it's an easy one too. <laughs> but it's the I, opposite I result. <laughs> I agree. I agree because we loved watching Hayden play. I yeah, Hayden's one of my favorite. I wish that Hayden and Tyson actually shed some light on like why some of those challenges that we were like, why isn't Hayden better at this? Um, and it was something that we had postulated, but but Ty, Tyson and his podcast kind of confirmed is that some of these challenges that are that they rig up to be balanced for body weight um it you know it, it makes it harder for the bigger people because their hands are having to deal with a much heavier weight so there there were some things about that season if if Hayden could have won like one immunity challenge down the stretch he might have won that season um Oh yeah, he he was just a ton of fun he to was watch. Fun to watch. Like, he liked him. I never got the feeling that like even like if he had voted out Tyson, I think he might have still gotten Tyson's jury vote. Like that's that's the the vibe I got from that season. And uh, you know he came into the game as easily the person, in my opinion, from that particular tribe that should have had a target on his back more than anybody because he had already won Big Brother. Um, and so when you factor that in as well, I think you, you've got to at least think, oh, man, like he came into the game with the biggest target for that particular side. Now, obviously, you know, you've got a, a, a season of returners. Well, the returners are going to have a bigger target because they played the game of Survivor before. But, I mean, I think that he was better, like coming into the game, I think he was better and should have been more taken more serious as the winner of Big Brother than some of the people that were even returners, but for sure the best of the the ones that were coming in fresh. Yeah, and another thing I liked about his game is that like what stands out to me, we're not this isn't about Tyson because we're gonna talk about Tyson later on. But what stands out to me about that season is Tyson's ability to create a final three, stick to that final three, and take that final three all the way to the end. Um, one of the more complete, in my opinion, one of the more complete wins that we've seen. And Hayden almost cracked that alliance. He he and Sierra in particular, they almost had Monica flipped. And if they flip Monica, Hayden wins that season, I think. If it gets down to the end and it's Hayden, Sierra, and Monica is the final three, yeah. I, I really feel like Hayden gets the win. Um, and And so – I, I just liked what I saw from him. I would love to see him play again. I don't know if he will because he's one big brother, and why, I don't know why he'd come back yeah. out and do it again. But if he did, I'd be really interested in it. Hayden's my yeah. vote to go past. Um, Ethan. 
Ethan, we haven't said anything about him. His story is great. He's one of the great stories in Survivor history. I look forward to one day watching his small screen standard definition season. <laughs> on, you know, watching 40 <laughs> inches of television on my 66 inch TV or whatever it is I've got hanging on the wall. All right. I, I look forward to watching it one day. But Winners at War wasn't about him. Yeah. No, I, look, I loved Ethan in Winners at War. But a lot of that was because of the story and the arc and the knowing the where he's come from and what he's gone through. And look, I've, you know, one of the first things I did during the pandemic um, when watching that, see, I've ordered the the old school Survivor shirt. I love that shirt. I wear it all the time. And, you know, that was a big part of that was because I was such a big fan of Ethan. Like, um, so I'll say my vote is also for Hayden, but it is absolutely in no way a disrespect towards Ethan. Um, cause Ethan is, is again, one of the survivor legends and I truly yeah. appreciate what he, he has done for the game of survivor, but also the game of survivor, as we've talked about many times is much bigger than the game of survivor. And he is a true survivor. So I, again, ton of respect for Ethan as a, as a player and, and more so as a person. Yeah. And he's one that like, There'll be some of these people that when we watch new seasons, they'll get bounced out of the bracket. And he might be one of them. But I guarantee you yeah. that when we watch his his season, he'll come right back in. You know, he'll he'll be he'll be somebody that when we watch his season, he'll come back in and he may make a really deep run um when we've actually seen his season together. So um Ethan fans, if you're listening to this and you're right. bummed that he's gone in the first round, I I I think Keep listening to the podcast, and, and we'll have much more to say about Ethan. So let's jump back to the women's side. Since we've talked a lot about Erica, let's keep it moving. Erica, recent winner of season 41 against Sophie, who won South Pacific and played a really strong game in Winners at War. Uh, look, I thought she played a winner winner's game in Winners at War. I did too. Oh, goodness. This one's really tough. This one... I I like Erica a lot. I like, do. The way I said I like Erica a lot, like everybody knew I was about to say, but I just think Sophie's the better player. I thought <laughs> I thought Sophie was strong. Yeah. Um I thought like you, she um she she played a winner's game. I mean, if if not for Tony and, and the machine he built. Sophie is, is has a really good chance to win. She built some relationships with, and and you know part of this she's got an advantage for for me that that Erica doesn't have, and that we've seen Sophie play against the best of the best. And yeah, and she made she carved up yeah, some I mean, of the she, best of the best. She's, um, co-orchestrated getting Rob out of the game, along with. Ben, yeah, Ben and Adam, and who who was the was it Michelle that was the fifth the fifth in that um mini tribe? Maybe it I was can't two, remember. It was two younger I, women, I, Ben and Adam, and Rob, right? Yes, I think that's right. Plus me. Um, <laughs> and and the and the two women yeah. were gonna were trying to vote Rob. Ben and Adam were kind of leaning with Rob to vote out. I think Sophie. And then at the last minute, Ben just kind of flipped and worked with Sophie, and they communicated without saying a word. This is the plan. We're going to take Rob out. And before yeah. that, so, 
won it. And, and she did it by flipping the, the thing that won him his, the thing that won Rob's season for him. She used that against him to get him out in the season of like, you know, his little buddy system basically of like, yeah. he doesn't let people talk. Um, he doesn't want people to talk and figure out, hey, we need to get Rob out. That didn't matter to her. She was able to make it work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I, my lean is Sophie. I mean, we've talked at, at length about Erica. I like Erica's game a lot. I look forward to seeing her play in that kind of situation. Um, whether it's a full on winter season yeah. or whether it's a game changers type setup or what have you. Um, I want to see her play in another season. But for me, it's got to be Sophie. And, and on top of taking out Rob, like the way she formed relationships with people like Yule that you wouldn't expect that that made her an early power player. I, for me, yeah. Well, and he, she became kind of a white well for the season, if you remember, like yeah. her and maybe maybe Kim. So there were a couple that like they set it up for when Tony took them out. It meant something. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't just like oh yeah, well Tony rolled over her and Tony rolled over that person and Tony no. When Tony took out, helped take out Sophie, that was a big moment. Like that felt like massive and it reverberated throughout the season. And to me, like those were the moments that made Tony win the game is taking out people like Sophie. Yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So I'm I'm go voting for Sophie, but it's nothing against Erica. We like Erica a lot. Um, and she's somebody that even though she went out in the first round, she won't be on my list of people to remove from this from the bracket. No, Eric is another one like Evie who just kind of ran into a powerhouse um, in the first round where, again, respect her gameplay, big fan, thought she was the right winner. I mean, we were on the to, – to, to pat ourselves on the back real quick, we were on the, the Erica should win train three, four weeks before most people were. Like we we were very adamant that we thought she was yeah. a she was a winner's candidate, and we really liked the way she had played the game. Yeah, no, no, I, I like her a lot. Um, but yeah, so th- that's that. We're gonna move Sophie along there. Um, gonna check check our time real quick. Oh, we got we got time for several more matchups. We're we're gonna move through several more matchups tonight. Um, next up, let's go ahead and do it, Justin. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and do it. I'm ready. Rick Devins. Against James from China. Rick Devin. Rick Devin <laughs> yeah, we don't have to take much time on that one. Um, I can assure you we are not going to just advance Rick all the way to the end. There, There's some matchups coming. We might. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, he's going to uh, get real close. If you listen to this podcast, you know he's going to get real close. Like, we both know Rick personally. Rick is yeah. the reason we both watch Survivor again. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, we, we talked about it last week that – if it wasn't for Rick, I wouldn't be watching Survivor now. Like I, I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be a super fan of Survivor. Like I have turned into a super fan because I watched his season, and then all of a sudden, like I was just hungry for Survivor content at that point. I was so into yeah. wanting, like I, I, I watched his finale, covered it for the paper, and then I just went back and watched his whole season in like a day. Like I really yeah. ran through that yeah. whole season in a day or two, and then that start that sparked me watching. 10 to 12 seasons of Survivor within like a two-month span, three-month span. And I, it's part of why I want to do the podcast. So, yeah, I mean, Rick, no matter who he'd have probably matched up against in the first round, I'd move Rick on. But I will say for James, fun guy. What a, what a, what a fun, guy. fun guy. I enjoyed him. And, again, another one where 
he hadn't gone home with two idols in his pocket, maybe he'd get Vance's first well, round. Well, the, the, the reason, and, and that's the reason he's up against Rick. I, I, I knew that whoever we put up against Rick was going to lose. Um, I mean, that's, that's just it. I mean, Rick is the reason this podcast exists, because he's the reason both of us watched th- season 38, which led us into watching season 39, which led Justin to watch like a half a million seasons in three days, which which led us <laughs> to watch season 40 together, and we watched and then we started watching back old seasons together, and then we had a podcast. So, like, the, 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 he's the reason the podcast exists. And so, I, James is somebody like, fun yeah. guy, challenge beast. But he said in a confessional that he should probably take his his idols yeah. to um, tribal council because he he felt like he was in danger, and then didn't play either one of them and went home. So, like that 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 right there is the reason he's up against Rick, and that's the reason he's going home here too. Um, and just imagine that he's going home from this this bracket with two idols in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he's one that I don't know that we will want to bounce out for the next time we, we no, do yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a fun uh, player. Because we, I like him. I enjoyed him a lot, but like. He's top four for me in China, I think. With, I mean, maybe, we're, not as big a, we're, we're not as big a fans of that cast as most of you. Um, but yeah, so, That's awesome, he's not a great cast. <laughs> But he's in the top four or five. So we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the women. Rick Devins advances to the second round, as we knew he would. Let's do – hmm. Pick a season we've seen together, Justin. Um, let's do Island of the Idols. Island of the Idols. All right. Let me make sure I'm. I'm. I, I didn't write well. I'm not a good. I don't have good handwriting. Um, yeah, neither. It's, I think it's because we're so smart that our brain moves too fast. That I don't know. I made that up in my mind. It's probably because so. I don't hold the pen right. But yeah, uh, it makes me feel better to tell myself that I. It's because I, my brain is so big and I'm so smart. No, I'm kidding. I'm really. I, I really don't believe that about myself. <laughs> but let's go with one that's really going to tick off some Survivor fans. Are you ready? Um, yeah. Let's go with. Um, Sandra versus Kelly from Island of the Idols. Oh, yeah. Well, hmm. I don't think Sandra played that great at Cable Winners at War. Um, uh, Terrible Winners at War. Yeah, I'm going to say it. You know what? We don't do enough. You know, when you have a podcast, when men have a podcast, we're supposed to say absurd things just to make people mad, right? I mean, when we talk, we don't do that very often. We don't do it very often. I don't. I'm not being absurd right now. I actually believe this. Sandra played a terrible game of Winter War. She wasn't good. She no. sat out. She, she was one of the worst players on Winners at War. <clears throat> she probably was the worst player on Winners at War because she sat out. She got voted out because, and and I'm stealing straight from something you said on our conversation. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm fired up now, so I'm gonna just use it all. She sat out every chance she got, which. Because the way they structured the season was every time, you know, we never mm. we never saw reward challenges. We only yeah. saw the uh, the immunity challenges. So she sat out as far as we saw every challenge, and she got voted out because she ignorantly gave Denise or sold Denise an idol, and Denise immediately used that to get her out because of course she would. Um, and then she quit first chance she got. She didn't really go to the. Did she even go to the island, or did she? Did, 
I thought she went over there, told him yeah, bye, and then so, left. You know, she, <laughs> she agreed to a season with an edge of extinction, which there are people who say that's not a quit, but I disagree because I think in a normal – With Edge of Extinction, every especially that season, everybody who was on the who was on Edge of Extinction was going to be a part of the jury. She forfeited a jury vote, yeah, and went home. So not only yeah. did she forfeit a chance to compete in those battle back challenges to get back from the Edge Island to the main island, she forfeited a jury vote. She forfeited her chance to decide the biggest winner in Survivor history. And yeah, and look, I, I agree with the fact that she had no chance of getting back. Absolutely, on the was not going to make. I'll it never. I'll, yeah, and I, so I don't fault her for. I do, but I don't. I don't. I don't call it a quit in the sense that, like, <clears throat> if it had been the regular Edge season, I, I just I think it would have made sense for her to quit. Kind of like when when Wendy and Keith quit. Um, I think it would have been very. You know, it would it would have made a ton of sense because she wasn't going to beat anybody to get back um, in the game. Her game effectively ended the minute that she got voted out. She she was one of the few people on the cast that had no shot of winning herself back into the game. But I do think that like she could have found a way to like just sit on that island for the next 15, 20 days, whatever it was, just to be able to get on the jury. She wouldn't have even had to done anything on the edge. Like if if she literally just sat at the camp and was like, Look, I recognize I cannot win to get back in this game. I'm one of the greatest survivors of all time. I have no motivation to do it. I've won twice. There's just no, there's no motivation for me to come out here and even try on edge of extinction. But what I will do is I'll chill with you guys and hang out and give survivor fans some more Sandra content with some of the best players of all time would have been, would have been more satisfactory to me as a viewer. Yeah. And it's tricky because Kelly went home with two idols in her pocket. Um, We've talked about season thirty-nine, our disdain for that season. I wish Kelly hadn't yeah. had to deal with the Dan stuff, even though I'll say this. Correct. She was willing to one thing that she did. I don't want to criticize the victim at all. But I've never been comfortable with the fact that she was at least willing to entertain the idea of hanging on to Dan on the island. To t- so she could take out a bigger target. She ended up not doing that, but she talked about that idea. And I that never made me comfortable. And, and that's part of why she went home, because she did entertain that idea. Um, But it's just a sloppy season, and I kind of right. just want Kelly... A, and I don't know that she'll ever do it, but I would love to see Kelly get a chance to play in a season where she didn't have to deal with Dan. Yeah, I'd love to see her play again. Um, she's she's one of my favorites in terms of people I want to see return from that season in particular. Um, her and Jamal got voted out for the wrong reasons. Um, I'll stand by that. Um, I think both of them stood up for what they believed in, and that got them set home, unfortunately, because there were some people on that cast um, who, like Missy and Elizabeth, uh, who felt the need to take advantage of you know, some real life situations to get people out, which I didn't appreciate. So I say that to say Sanders, my vote to go on, but I want to see Kelly play again. Um, so I, 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 I was going to pass Kelly on. Um, okay. Well, I mean, are we coin flipping this one? 
let's coin flip it. I don't feel really strongly. Yeah, about it. I don't really feel strongly about either one of these people moving along. So yeah, heads I'm is Sandra, tails is Kelly. Okay. Sounds good to me. It's tails. Kelly moves along. Say, hey, look at that. We'll say she. It, it wasn't that Kelly moved on. It was that Sandra <laughs> quit. No, no, Sandra didn't quit. She sat out of the right. Time. She <laughs> she sat out of the matchup, and that means Kelly moves on. So there we glad go. we settled that. <laughs> um, we are we are much snarkier tonight than we normally are. I like it. I like this. I like this for us. Um, pick pick another <laughs> season, Justin. Uh, hmm. Let's, let's go to the well again. Island of the Idols. Island of the Idols. You gonna make me go back to that well, huh? Well, yeah, I don't want as well. All right. Well, then, Ricard versus Dean. Oh, oh I mean, this one's easy for me, but I know which one you're a fan of. I'm well, a, fan a fan of, of Dean. Both, but you're... I'm a fan of... I'm a fan of Dean. I'll give my pitch for Dean th- that I don't even okay. fully believe. Um, <laughs> I think Dean is an example, and this is something I don't know that I've said on the podcast, but I know I've said it on Facebook, I believe. What Survivor may need to figure out is how to balance entertainment value with what the jury values. And we've seen two of the last three seasons decided by that. Um, Dean was a more entertaining player. Mm -hmm. His last two or three episodes of that season were... I'll never forget him using Tommy being colorblind to get an right. idol or get it. He advantage. used the fact that Tommy that was, was colorblind so to steal an idol from him or an advantage or whatever it was. And like he, whatever he it was, was, it didn't matter what it was. It was just great. He was winning individual immunities. He was finding idols. Like he said early on that he was sandbagging so that people wouldn't notice that he was a uh, physical threat. And we were like, whatever. And then at the end I was like, I think he was right. Like I remember message you like, no, he was really sandbagging. He could have been winning all along. Because he went on a little run and he won individual immunity and he had like, you know, he was just dripping with gold by the end, man. He had all these idols and advantages and uh, he got the idol nullifier that took out Janet and, um, you know, correctly identified that Janet was the person that not only could beat them all at the end, but she could beat them at fire. So he had to use his idol nullifier to take her out at five. I mean, played a really entertaining game. But like the jury respected what Tommy did, even though it didn't make a TV. And when we saw that same thing mm-hmm. in 41, like Xander played the more entertaining game, the game that made better TV. But at the end of the day, the jury respected Erica. So a survivor, you know, I mean, they're doing fine, but like they may want to figure out a, a way to showcase right. um, the, the game that's going to win. And by now we've seen like when you have those two kinds of players, the more boring player is the one that the jury tends to prefer because they played a, a game that resonated more with through their fellow players. So that's my pitch for Dean is that he was a very entertaining player, but Ricard, man, Ricard might be the most complete player we've seen in how many seasons? I mean, if you don't count winners at war, like when was the last time we saw a player as complete as Ricard? A lot. Yeah. But even Rick, like, I mean, I Rick. like Rick, but Ricard was better at the strategic side. Yeah, that's fair. He didn't need the idols to get him there. And I, don't um, even, I mean, he could have used an idol. Heck, if Ricard found one idol, he wins the freaking game. I mean, that's, you know, so, so he did yeah, need the idols, but like yeah, yeah. the way Ricard was able to move into alliances and like 
implode them from within. And, and you, even though he was probably the better player between him and Shan, he let Shan be the, be the, the focal point. Um, when, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, he, he led that alliance without leading that alliance. And he led multiple alliances, you know, he almost, he, I mean, maybe he didn't almost, but in the edit, he almost got, he almost got, uh, Xander to woo him to the end. Um, (laughs) Ricard is just a special player. Like he's going to, he's so good that he can't just come back on any season because if he comes back in a situation with like the way those four came back for edge of extinction, he's just going to go home the first chance somebody gets. Um, because you, you can't keep that guy on the island. He's going to have to come back in a second chances type season where there's other threats. Um, because he's just so stinking good. Um, so I, I think, I think he passed Ricard with this. I mean, Dean's a good yeah. player, but Ricard's good. Yeah. You know where my vote's going, but yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's definitely a Ricard vote for me. I mean, he, he's one of my favorite players, but I also just didn't get into Dean as much as you did. I, I did enjoy some of the content there at the very end, but I thought that, you know, overall, I thought that there were four to five people who played a better game than him on that season. And I don't know that the winner did, but <laughs> there was four to five people from that season that played a better game than him. Yeah. I, I think what survival will have to figure out is, Find a way, and I think that's what they were trying to do with Edge of Extinction. I just don't think it really worked. Um, find a way that those physical threats, the people who have a strong physical game, and that find a way that they don't have to hide. Well, I mean, we saw it this season, though, Jeremy. I don't know that they hid this season. Right. But, um, but, because, but I think people, because I think the game, the game is changing to the point that being a physical threat, while it's cool, the strategic side is more is now more of a threat to people playing the game. Like they recognize that this season. Like Danny, Danny in a normal season never should have gotten as far as he did. Um, even Xander, Xander got to the very end. Um, even though I think he should have been somebody that that you look at as soon as the merge happens, you take him out because of, you know, his physical prowess. Uh, Ricard kept, you know, he, he became the biggest threat because he, he, he had won three immunities, but like the immunity part of that was not why he was the threat. Like they, they, they prioritized his strategic side more so than his immunity side. Um, and so I think that we're seeing, I don't know that survivor is going to have to necessarily change that I just think that the game is changing to allow those kind of players to stick around longer. Well, it's tricky because, like, yes, Danny got to stay around a while, but he also didn't win. He won one immunity. And it's immediately after he won that immunity, he got voted out. Um, Ricard. That's true. <laughs> yeah, like, he was a big strategic threat, but one of the main reasons they noticed him was, like, and one of the main reasons – he became a priority to get out was because he can just win immunity. And so I don't think there, I don't think people are voting. People are beyond voting. Oh, he's big, strong. We got to get rid of him. But the people who have the ability to win immunities are not going as hard as they can in immunity challenges. Like I know that's the thing that's happening is like, there are people that could win four or five immunities that are not winning any immunity challenges 
because as soon as you do, that's when people go, Oh wow. You know, he is kind of strategic, but like he also wins challenges. So next time he loses, we got to get him out. So I, I, and I don't know what that answer is, but I think it would be better for the game if they, if they right. figured out a way to make it not so di- I don't think the game is it, – it's not good for the game if they get to the point where people are – where significant numbers of people are not trying to win the challenges. But, um, so that's that's my two cents on that. But all that to say, Ricard passes over Dean. Um, let's go next. We've got time for a couple more challenges without going – or a couple more matchups without going way over our time. Um. Here's a fun one. This this should be quick. Um, Amanda from China, or that's that's the season we saw her on against Danny from Winners at War. I, I mean, I know who my vote is, but it's I, I, I like both. Yeah, I've of only them. seen Danny and Winners at War, and I was not super impressed with her. Um, she kind of created. She created a problem. Like, I, I, you could try. You could. <laughs> I was thinking Danny from Forty One. My bad. No, this is super easy, Amanda. <laughs> I was like, you didn't like <laughs> Danny. What are you talking about? Uh, no, I thought you were saying Danny for. I forgot we were on the women's side of the bracket for like thirty seconds, and then I, I was like, wait a minute, Winners of War. He wasn't. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Danny from Winners of War. Yeah, you know, you could you could trace back that like the reason. Oh the old school players had so much trouble getting anything done on that season started with Danny. I mean, she, she blew up a lot of, she blew up a lot of games. Um, just by being a paranoid, you know, just, just freaking out. Um, and Amanda, I mean, God bless. If she has one handled one conversation differently in China, I think she probably wins the daggum season. Um, I think she's she's a she's probably a multi-time winner now if she knew how to handle one or two conversations or she knew how to perform better at tribal council, final tribal council. Um, you know, she's she's one of the best players to ever play the game. Uh, unfortunately, she's never won the game, and she can't um, win at this point. Like she's never. No, nah, she'll never be able to win if even if she came back. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I think this is pretty simple. Man, the moves forward. Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> let's get in a couple more. This one ought to be quick too. Um, Stephen Fishbach, is it Fishbach or Fishback? Fishback. 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 I don't know. Well, yeah. Stephen from Tokyo <laughs> against Boston Rob. Oh, from Winners at War. Okay. Yeah, well, this is easy because of Winners at War. Yeah, he didn't play well. Winners at war, so Stephen moves forward. But Boston Rob is the better player overall. I mean, I think we both know that, but we just haven't seen the seasons. Well, we haven't seen the seasons, but like the tricky thing with Rob is like <clears throat> Stephen was one immunity away from winning his first season. Well, I mean, Rob Rob won his first season or his second season. I think it was his fourth season, wasn't it? No, he won his second season. <laughs> he <laughs> he won. Because he married his wife, who won the season. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and look, he was a better player on that season, and I think everybody knew it. But he won that season for both of them. Um, I think he's unofficially he's a two-time winner. Not saying that Amber didn't like deserve to win, but like Rob was the better player. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's Boston Rob. Yeah, he's he's one of the best players of all time. But Steven moves forward for our purposes because Rob did not play a great game in Winners at War. Yeah. Um, he, was very, he, play, he tried to play the exact same game that he played um, on Redemption Island when he won. But he did that against a newbie cast. He couldn't do that against all, all winners cast. And I don't know why he didn't pick up on that earlier. And I would, I'm really curious to go back and watch some of these seasons because I do not know how this strategy that some of these players won with, I don't know how it ever worked. Um, but we already saw it in China. Like, yeah. I don't know how what Todd did worked in China, but it did. Um, so are, 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 we, are we moving, Stephen? Like, I think there's some merit to, to moving Rob, even with his game and winner's award. Like, Rob's the better player, for sure. Like, I have no, like, but that's prior knowledge that I'm, I'm bringing to the table there. I don't think Rob played a particularly great game in Winners of War, and we've only seen Steven in his best season. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll, you know, we'll, like if we had seen Steven in Second Chance, where he doesn't play as well, I'd be all for moving Boston Rob over him, even in spite of it. But you're talking about a Steven that played a phenomenal game yeah. in Second Chance. Yeah, he just he just lo- happened to hitch his wagon. He ran into a bus. He hitched saw. his wagon to a yeah. bus saw, which made for a really messy. Well, two buzz saws. Like he wasn't going to win against either of the buzz saws he attached himself to. Yeah, yeah. Even though, like, he was probably the stra- the the brains behind all of their work. Um, I will say for yeah. Rob, one thing that impressed me is that Rob is what? How old is Rob now? How old was he in Winners of War? He's in his forties, right? And he was still a physical, still a heck of a, still a yeah. physical monster. And I'll say this about Rob too: is he came into Winners at War as one of the top three players in that whole season in terms of having a target on their back. Like it's very hard to like, we saw it with Tony. Tony's one of the best players of all time. And he had almost no target coming into that game. Rob came into that game with the, I would say the biggest target other than maybe Sandra. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, their, their heads were still up when they got to the Island, right? Like their giant yeah. statues. <laughs> like, that, yeah, I mean, he, he 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 was he almost. It's almost unfair to judge him on Winners at War because he went into Winners at War as one of the few people I truly believe never had a chance when they stepped on the aisle. Well, I mean, it, I would say at least fifteen of the twenty players on that season came into the season with like, all right, listen, there's a lot of things that can happen here, but what I can't let happen, I can't lose to Boston Rob. Like, <laughs> I. I can't, can't lose, yeah, can't lose to Boston Rob. I can't, I can't lose to Boston Rob win two million dollars. Like I can't let him do what he did to a bunch of newbies. And so there's 15 people at least that are out there with that thought in mind. Um, right. And of the five people that aren't, it's himself and his wife as part of the the other the other and Sandra. <laughs> you know, and San- even Sandra might be in the. I just can't let Rob win. Well, no, she she wanted Rob out more than anybody. Yeah, remember? that's true. That's true. So yeah, so there. Stevens, the move. Rob's a very good player, um, and we're probably going to keep Rob yeah. around in this bracket for a long time. Well, we'll watch one of his other seasons, and he'll be somebody that we probably take pretty yeah. far. Um, yep, because yep. he's one of my favorites of all time. All right, here's one. Here's a fun one. Hannah from Millennials versus Gen X against. Kelly Wentworth, who we saw on Edge of Extinction. Mm, well, mm. that's not Kelly's best season. So, <laughs> Listen, oh. I, 
I'm the biggest Hannah fan on the planet. I think. I don't know how many people. Yeah. I don't know how big of a fan base she has among the Survivor community, but I like her so much. <laughs> She's so much fun. To me, I told you the other day, like in my mind of that final three, she's the Erica. Okay. Um, she's the one that in my mind should have won that. Yeah. And Adam, I'm not saying they voted poorly because with Adam's story and with the way he played, like he's a fine winner, but I would have voted for Hannah because of the way she played that game. I just loved watching her play. She was fun. (laughs) She was strategic. Um, I just think she played a really strong game. I, and I, I know that we didn't see Wentworth's best season. Wentworth's best season would have to be very, very good for me to vote for her over Hannah. Um, oh, I think Wentworth, Wentworth's best season is I, – I won't give it away, but I think Wentworth's best season is 100 well, times better than Hannah's season. to do some work, son, because I love Hannah. Uh, yeah. Um, my vote is for Wentworth because even though her season, like, she wasn't great, that phenomenal on Winners at War, or not Winners at War, on Edge of Extinction, she had one of the, the biggest targets on her back. She managed to navigate it better than anybody, um, in my mind. Um, her and David. Um, I just, yeah, I think for me, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with with her to move forward. So I know that's gonna lead us to a coin flip. I'm flipping a coin because I'm yeah. I'm not going into that good night, sir. Hannah's heads and Wentworth's tails. Wentworth moves on. I'm I'm so upset. I'm sorry. I'm so upset. <laughs> I should have given you I'm that so one. <laughs> well, because I really don't have like a strong like Wentworth in her other season is definitely more like. But even even on man, even on Edge of Extinction, she still played a pretty solid game. Um, it See, just I'll, and and this is something that like. I was baffled by that season that other than, and even with Joe, you didn't see it that much. Like having seen David's first season now, I don't understand how David wasn't a bigger target on that. Season. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't understand. Well, uh, Wentworth was with Wentworth. Like I didn't ever feel like anybody really ever went that hard at Wentworth. They should, they should have. have. She got, they kept talking about it though. Like they, they, they constantly talked about, it. yeah, I mean, Wentworth is a, Wentworth's our biggest threat here. And, uh, they just never do anything about it. Yeah. It was just really weird. It was, it was very weird. Um, and they did have her in their sights and Underwood ruined it. Um, and somehow Underwood, because I put him against Jerb, this is my fault. Um, Underwood advanced. Um, and, and there, <laughs> and Hannah, she's gone, but I'm not going to let her fall out of the bracket. No. I, no, if you no, want to move no, her no, on, you, you can. Noted, and then I, did I, I don't. I don't have to have Wentworth go first because I, I know the who. process. You voted. I voted. Okay. I flipped the coin. This is <laughs> you know it's science here, Justin. It's not. This is this. It's bigger than me, you and me. It's bigger than you and me. Okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's um, let's get two more matchups and then and then we'll call it a night. Um, okay, make it easy. Uh. <laughs> Here's an easy one. Since you thought we were talking about this person earlier, uh, Danny McRae versus Ben Drebergen. 
Oh, I mean, for me, it's Danny, but I know Listen, you're a I'm big not as big of a Ben fan as I am a Danny fan. I was a I was a Ben fan because okay. people hated him so much that I was bound and determined to like him. I do like Ben. I'm curious. I really want to see his original season. Um, but Danny, man, good grief! I love Danny so much. Yeah, big, big Danny. I am I a big Danny see, fan. Dan, Danny, I just want to hang out with Danny. Talk to Danny, you know, like he's so freaking cool, and he played such a cool game, and he was such a calming force on the island. Yeah, and he called Jeff out on his his, his yeah, stuff. Yeah, like what what Jeff did was unfair, and Danny told him that. And then Jeff tried to I'm 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 riding this conspiracy theory all the way to the end. Jeff tried to out him as an NFL player because he was mad at him, and Danny didn't let him do it. Um, and I just I love that guy, man. I I it, it won't happen because now like everybody everybody's seen him play and knows that he's an NFL player. So like it'd be really hard for him to play again. But if he does, I'm I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. So Danny moves on. He takes out Ben. Bye, Ben. Maybe Ben will come back. Bye, Ben. I don't know. What depends on it depends on how how, how I feel after his his season. Um, and here's one. This is a good one to end on because I think we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, let's go Elaine from Island of the Idols. <laughs> against Sierra. This specifically is the Sierra from Blood versus Water. I was drawing a blank. It was one we've watched a couple of versus seasons and I was drawing a blank as to which one this was. But this is Sierra from Blood versus Water. Uh she gets a ton of credit for boating her mom out. Um she's got the better she's the better player. Oh, between her and Elaine. Is she? Yeah, Elaine's more fun for TV, though. I, see, I really like Elaine. I think Elaine, like, she... Elaine blew her own game up, though. Like, when she told everybody her wonderful story. I mean, great story. But she told it too early. Yeah. Like, that's something you tell at the end. You don't you do not do it. But, yeah, I mean, I look, I, I'm a big Elaine fan. I wanted her to win that season. Like, if I could have somebody... Like, it was her, Janet, were my top two. Um... <clears throat> I would have been very excited for either of them to win that game. And I was very disappointed when Elaine got voted out. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sierra, like you mentioned earlier, we gave, we gave Hayden a ton of credit for almost breaking through on that, the, the Jerv Monica Tyson Alliance. Sierra gets a lot of, should get a lot of credit for that too. Cause she also won the immunity to, to even put them in that position to be able to kind of fight that out. She did, but the other thing she did, if I'm remembering right, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't she the one who, like, when they almost had Monica flipped, she went a little bit too hard and, like, scared the fish away, so to speak, you know? Like, they had the lure out there, they had it, they were jiggling it, jiggling it, jiggling it, and she was like, ah, bite it, fish! And, 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 and Monica yeah. swam back to her, um, to her school. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. But, I mean, again, I think she's just a – she's the more well-rounded player. Uh, Elaine's the better TV person. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. And 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 if we're, when we're talking favorites, I'm going to vote Elaine to go forward for what it's worth. But I need, I think it needs to be said that Sierra is the better player. Elaine's just my favorite between the two. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And, and – um. 
you know, Elaine is the one that, and another reason I'm going to go ahead and move her forward. But, but another thing that she got screwed by was that survivor let Dan stay in the game when they should have just removed him originally. And then they removed him at like final six. Mm -hmm. So Elaine went from maybe having one more tribal to kind of work some alliances (laughs) and figure something out while they were making the obvious decision to vote out Dan, perhaps. Right. And she didn't get that chance. It went straight to final five and, or whatever it was. Um, I don't remember. I think she was still in the game when, when Dan got tossed. Or was she the one that got taken out right before Dan? One, one of those two things happened, I think. But either way, I just, oh. I, I'm going to give a lot of the people in Island the Idol some passes that, that Dan being allowed to stay in the game messed up some dynamics. Um, and right. uh, so let's just move Elaine along because she's, she's our favorite of that group. Um, that, I, I feel like we're at a good stopping point. Do, do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think we're we're in a good spot to stop. Again, this is so much fun already. Like I like you mentioned, we're, we're a little more sassier than normal. We're that. sassy. <clears throat> well, we got to give our true yeah, opinions here. The people deserve to know. Yeah, you know, we, we can we talk. Feel. We can talk nice yeah. about all these people when when we're you know just discussing how they played in their individual season. But now we're getting down. And let me tell you, folks, uh, these first round matchups are only the beginning. Some of these second round matchups are going to be. We're gonna we're gonna hurt some of your feelings when we get to those second round matchups. I'm already got some we're gonna hurt our own hurt feelings. feelings. Yeah, I mean, I accidentally hurt Jeremy's feelings a few minutes. Ago. You didn't yeah. accidentally do going out first You did, you chose that. You chose that <laughs> life. You chose that path. I did. And I'd do it again. You would. You would. And you're gonna do it again. I have a feeling there's gonna be some. Oh God, I can see a couple of them where you're gonna break my heart, but. Yeah, I'm sorry. I really am. You're like, not I, sorry. I know you, you felt well. That's a you're not sorry. It's a Taylor Swift song, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think that, that you were a lot more passionate about Hannah than I realized until like, and I realized it as soon as I said I'm voting Wentworth. <laughs> so, so yeah, ton of fun tonight, man. And, and look, these these episodes. Um, are a ton of fun for you and I, but I hope it's also a ton of fun from our listeners. And so I would like for our listeners to, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what you think about, you know, some of the people that we advanced or didn't advance, who you would have advanced. Um, We'd love for you to play along at home, so to speak, uh, as we move through this bracket. And I mean, I could even be convinced to uh, move, you know, Hannah over Wentworth. If if enough of our if enough of our listeners want it, Justin, I, I mean, I'm the one that's actually holding the copy of the bracket, so I might be able. You are. I might yeah. be able to make something happen. Is, is all I'm saying. Uh, well, I, I, I'll be. I don't think you'll be able to make that happen. But hey, maybe <laughs> if, if you can pull it off, go for it. Yep. Um, I think Wentworth is a little bit highly regarded, more highly regarded within the survivor community, um, but. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a lot more, you know, secret Hannah fans out there than I realize. And if you're a secret Hannah <laughs> fan like me, let me well, know. It's not that. secret. Let's get t-shirts. Let's get t-shirts. It, my, I'm not a secret. I've not made a secret. In fact, I've tweeted at her many times about how highly regarded she is on this podcast by me. So, <laughs> anyway, Justin, it's been fun. Let's uh, let's do it again next week, huh? 
Sounds good, buddy. 